Welcome to the First Baptist Barberville Weekly Sermon Podcast. At FBC Barberville, our mission is to gather, grow, give, and go. Join us for live worship on the Court Square in Barberville, Kentucky, or to learn more about our church, visit fbcbarberville.com. Here is Pastor Tyler Shields. Last week, where we were in Romans chapter 1, it's, again, it's a tough section of Scripture, and it's just part of the pastor's life to have to get up on good days like that and preach those tough passages. But Paul goes through, and he, he digs into and really tries to paint a, a pretty good picture of how sinful humanity really is. And when you read through passages like that, where Paul's pretty descriptive of what's going on with people. It's easy to sit back and think, man, some people are just just very sinful, right? They're just some really bad people out there. But then when you read through the rest of Romans and those following chapters, you realize Paul's not just talking about one group of people. He's talking about all of us. Then he goes on to say things like, we have all fallen short of God's glory, right? We have all sinned against a holy God. And so he goes on... And he gets to Romans chapter 7. And he begins to open up about uh, his, even his own struggle. He's, he's pretty transparent in, in Romans chapter 7. He uses some personal pronouns. And he talks about this struggle between his flesh and even the Spirit of God both working in him. And he, he describes this war or this battle that's raging not just on the outside but within his own being. And so Paul says something so real in Romans chapter 7. I, I love this. He says, For I do not do the good that I want to do, but in other words, I do the bad that I don't want to do. That's kind of my version of that. Every person in here in the coming weeks is going to experience that struggle because you're going to be sitting around a Thanksgiving table sometime in the next few weeks knowing that you shouldn't take an extra plate or a piece of pie and what are you going to do? You're going to do that which you should not do. And so what Paul, he's not talking about turkey legs and pie though. He's talking about very real, deep, true sin. And sinfulness is what he's getting. Not just sins that we commit, but a sinfulness that every single one of us has to confront and wrestle with and go to war against and battle against. And finally, Paul gets to this This conclusion, he says, what a wretched man that I am. Who can rescue me from this body of death? And what does Paul say at the end of Romans chapter 7? He says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now with that in mind, we can turn to Romans chapter 8. I promise it's much more encouraging than Romans chapter 1, okay? Turn to Romans chapter 8. We're going to start in verse 1 this morning. Paul says, therefore... There is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Because the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do since it was weakened by the flesh, God did. He condemned sin in the flesh by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh as a sin offering in order that the law's requirement would be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit have their minds set on things of the Spirit. 
Now the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset of the spirit is life and peace. The mindset of the flesh is hostile to God because it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it is unable to do so. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Then he says, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God lives in you, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. Now, if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through his spirit who lives in you. Now the tone of Romans is beginning to turn a little bit, isn't it? The past, if you've been reading along, the past several chapters have been pretty tough and, and beat us up pretty good. Now there's some, some good nuggets in there about God giving us the gift of salvation through Christ, but the first part of Romans is pretty harsh. It, it, it's a lot of tough stuff. And Paul meant the whole beginning of that for that purpose, just to remind us, to remind his readers of their sinfulness. And then we come to this turning point in Romans chapter 8. In a good hermeneutical practice, I paid a lot of money to learn that word. A good hermeneutical practice when reading your Bible, when you come to that word therefore, is to do what? Ask what it's there for, right? Good, you all have heard this before. And so you have this bridge between the end of Romans chapter 7 and the beginning of Romans chapter 8 where Paul essentially says, folks, we are utterly hopeless. Whatever are we going to do? But thank God for sending Jesus, our only hope, who has taken care of this whole sin situation for us. He says, therefore, there is no condemnation in him. And in this passage this morning, Paul emphasizes three phrases using, I think, very careful language that we need to talk about. He says, There are those who are in Christ, those who are in the Spirit, I'm sorry, in the flesh, and then those who are in the Spirit. And for the first one, we have this truth that there's no more condemnation for me in Christ. Write that down. There is no condemnation for me in Christ. Paul goes into great detail, and, and again, even transparency, discussing these two laws that are at work within us. And in verse 2, Paul calls these, one, the law of the spirit of life, and the law of sin and death. In other words, he says there is literally a battle that is taking place between the flesh and the spirit, between the old you who should be dead because he was crucified with Christ, or she was crucified with Christ, on the cross and the new you who's trying to live for Christ in the spirit. He says God has dealt with the issue by condemning sin in the flesh, Paul says, by sending his own son in that flesh, as we know, born of a virgin. Paul says to be a sin offering for us. In other words, God sent Jesus who did not know sin, who committed no sin to become sin for us. And think about what that means. Us. Paul just described us back in chapter 1. Spiritually, we were Romans 1 material. Every single one of us. God sent Jesus for people like that. Me and you. So that we might be saved. That's what Paul is saying. And he says, basically, praise God for what Christ has done. Now, we are free. What's what Paul's getting at. When there's no condemnation, that means you are absolutely, completely, totally, 100% free in Jesus Christ. Free from the penalty of sin and now free from the power of sin in your life. He says, if you're in Christ. That's the qualifier. 
Now, what does it mean to be in Christ? Well, in short, it means you're saved. And if you're not saved, then you're not in Christ and you're not free from condemnation. You're not free from sin. You're not free from any of that. And I think a good illustration comes from the Old Testament all the way back in the book of Genesis where we started this year many, many months ago. And in the early chapters of the Bible, you get six chapters into the Bible and sin has just gotten so out of control that God decides it's time to press the reset button, right? That all of that Romans 1 stuff had gotten so bad in this world, God says, I'm going to wipe every single person off the face of this earth except for who? Noah and his family. And so God tells Noah that he needs to build this ark out of wood. And what's interesting about this ark is he says, you want to build it out of wood, but you're going to cover it with pitch, Whatever pitch is. Well, I learned this week, if you look up that word in the Hebrew, that word for pitch can also mean a ransom, a price for a ransom, or even an atonement. And so essentially, Noah and his family were saved from God's wrath by God's grace inside this wooden vessel covered by atonement. What it meant for Noah to be in the ark and saved is what it means for us to be in Christ and saved. We have placed all of our hope, all of our trust, all of our faith in Christ and what Christ did on that wooden vessel that we call Calvary's cross covered in the blood of his atonement. That's what it means to be in Christ. Paul says, if you're in Christ, just like Noah was in that ark, then you don't have to fear God's wrath. You don't have to fear the storms that are raging around you of God's wrath. You, you don't have to, to be afraid of that. You don't have to look forward to God's judgment in the future. You're, you're forgiven. You're set free. You are sealed and protected by His Holy Spirit. In other words, there is no more condemnation waiting for you. Is that not good news? Because Christ has taken all that upon Himself. Now, that truth reminds me of a story I heard about a father and a son who were out on, on a prairie. And they were out there just enjoying a beautiful day when all of a sudden the father looked out in the distance and noticed this smoke rising up off the prairie. And it wasn't too long that the winds began to pick up and began to really howl. And, and, and he realized that this wildfire that was off in the distance would be up on them before they ever could make it back to safety. And I, I learned something this week. The state of Kansas said that more pioneers died through prairie wildfires than just about any other thing that they encountered. Can you believe that? These fires would just blow up, the winds would rage, and they'd just be up on people before they could get out of, away from them. And so this father, realizing their dire situation, he gets down in the middle of the prairie and he, he lights a fire and starts allowing it to burn and grow. And finally he grabs the boy and he takes this boy and he runs into the middle of the ashes. And the boy's like, Daddy, what, what are we doing? We got to get out of here. He said, son, listen, that fire's coming and we can't get away from it. But don't worry. He said, the fire cannot burn where it's already burned. We'll be safe right here. In other words, when Jesus Christ went to Calvary's cross... God poured every bit, I mean every ounce of his wrath upon his son for the sinfulness of mankind. And the fire of God's wrath burned completely through the son on the cross so that it will not touch you ever again if you're in Christ. Great Charles Spurgeon said, if Christ was cursed for you, you cannot be cursed 
again. Thank God for that. There's no condemnation left for you to have. So, let it go. <laughs> because what happens, right, is, is, is sometimes we, we have a hard time not condemning ourselves or not condemning those around us. But Paul says, if you're in Christ, there's freedom. There is no more condemnation left for you. Now, that freedom also means this, second thing. That there's no more future for me in the flesh. So, going back to the differences between living in the flesh and living in the spirit Paul talks about in chapter 7, he offers us a reminder that this way of living in the flesh just won't work for us anymore. And in and, and this mindset, he says, of the flesh is death. The mindset of the flesh, it's hostile to God. It does not submit to God. He says it is actually unable to submit to God and therefore can never please God. And so living in the flesh, folks, you know this leads to heartache and chaos in this life. But worse than that, it leads to death and destruction in the next. And what Paul has already explained in great detail in Romans chapter 6 is that those who are in Christ and those who are under grace should not continue to live as if they're not in Christ and not under grace. You need to quit living in sin. And I think he inserts this idea once again in Romans chapter 8 as a reminder that even though there's no condemnation left for those who are in Christ, that is not the Christian's license to continue living in sin. And so the old way of life, the the, the life that you used to have, the you that you used to be, that's not the way that you're supposed to be anymore, Christian. The things you used to do, the places you used to go, that's not for you anymore. Your future is not the same as your past because you're a new creature. And a Christian going back into the life of sin, it's, it's as ridiculous as a slave being set free and going back willingly into slavery or a prisoner set free from prison and willingly going back into prison. So a little history lesson. Sitting high atop the dome of the U.S. Capitol building is a stat. I did not know this. Is a statue called the uh, Statue of Freedom, or sometimes she's just referred to as Freedom. And th- this lady, this beautiful angelic figure, is, is gigantic. She's almost 20 feet tall, sitting atop that dome of our Capitol building. She weighs some 15,000 pounds. Can you I mean, just imagine this thing? But she has a a shield of stars and stripes in her left hand. She has this wreath of stars around her head. She has this beautiful uh, military helmet that she's crowned with. It has, of all things, an eagle's head and big old eagle feathers. She's like the, the epitome of American freedom standing there on top of the U.S. Capitol building. She's absolutely beautiful. But on her original voyage to the United States from Rome, coming across the Atlantic Ocean... The vessel that was carrying her got caught in a terrible storm and it began to leak and take on water a few times. And so the captain, being a good captain, he said, it's time that we throw some things overboard to lighten the load of this thing so we don't sink. And so they began throwing over all the cargo. And the sailors, of course, said, Captain, we need to throw this statue. She's gigantic, weighs more than this boat. We've got to throw her over. But the captain refused to throw over the Statue of Freedom. Matter of fact, above the wind and the waves, he cried out. He said, no, men, we will never do this. We will flounder before we throw freedom away. Unfortunately, too many Christians are quickly uh, and willingly eager to throw our freedom in Christ away. To give in to that flesh, 
to go back into the bondage of sin. But Paul says, that's not for you, Christian. You have no place there. You have no future there. You need to fight for your freedom on a daily basis. Fight against that flesh. Fight against its, its drawing desires. And at no cost should you ever throw your freedom in Christ away for something temporal. And that takes us to this last point. Not only is there no condemnation for me in Christ, no future for me in the flesh, but Paul says there's also no more sinfulness for me in the Spirit. So after talking about the dangers of the flesh, Paul says, again, it's not for you. That's not you. You're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. I think we probably could stop right there. Some of us need to grasp that truth this morning. You're not who you used to be. You're not in the flesh. You're in the Spirit. And Paul says, if the Spirit of Christ is not in you, basically you're not saved. But he says, if you're in Christ, you are in the Spirit. And he says something so remarkable. He says, the very Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead now lives in you. And because of that, you don't have to live in the flesh. You don't need to try to live in the flesh. You don't need to give in to the flesh. You need to make war with your flesh and live in the Spirit. Now, does that mean, Christian, that you're never going to sin again in the re for the rest of your life? I hope that's not the case or I'm in trouble. Just being honest. You're going to make some mistakes, right? You're going to slip up, but that spirit that is so alive in you, that is guiding you, will convict you, will correct you. When you try to turn to the right or to the left, it'll say, hey, Straight and narrow. A Christian should not be able to tolerate sinfulness. Because the old way of living is over. Now that's also the good news. What Paul's saying is you're no longer a reprobate. You're no longer depraved and separated from God. You are no longer even a sinner or a slave to sin. You are a sinner saved by God's grace. And because of that spirit living in you, you shouldn't be able to, to tolerate that sin in such a way that, Christian, you should never be able to go back to that place where Christ found you in the first place. Now, you're going to, again, have some tough days, right? There's going to be some lessons that you still have to learn. But you're not going to be like the pig that wallers in his mess. That is my, again, I use it a lot. My favorite theological term because that's what we do. You won't be able to tolerate that. Because there's a Holy Spirit inside of you that will pull you out of that. Every single day of your life, you should have a longing, a desire to be just a little bit more like Jesus and a little bit less like the you that used to exist. And if you don't have that, then something is not right in your heart. Spurgeon said, the unsaved sinner loves a salvation from hell. The true Christian, however, loves a salvation from sin. He says, everyone desires to be saved from the pit, but it is only a child of God who pants every day to be saved from every false way. So my question is, is this, is that you this morning? Are you really striving, really longing to be more like Jesus? Or are you okay with where you are? Are you okay with the sin that is still in your life? Are you 
trying to, as Paul would say elsewhere, trying to walk in the Spirit instead of walking in the flesh. We'll talk more about that tonight. Do you feel the freedom and the liberty that comes from Christ this morning? Or are you still trying to carry around the weight of your own sin? Knowing that you don't have any peace and you don't have any hope and you don't have a future. If that's you this morning, then you can have that liberty today in Christ Jesus. Because again, Paul says Jesus already took it all upon himself. You just got to let him do it. And he will. Won't you stand with us as we pray this morning? Father, today we're thankful, God, that when we were hopeless, when we were helpless, when we were completely separated from a holy God and had no future, God, you made a way. You took our punishment that we deserve and you laid it on your own son. So that today we could be free. That there would be no more condemnation for us. No wrath. No judgment waiting for us. Just a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. God, we're thankful for that. But God, we still wrestle. God, there's still a battle that that rages in our hearts, in our minds every single day. As you are sanctifying us. God, we still have to fight against this old flesh. And Lord, I pray that every person here this morning would just be filled more with your spirit today. That our flesh would grow weak and that the spirit of God living in us would grow strong. That we might be more like Christ. Pleasing to you. Living sacrifices. Striving to be holy even when it's tough. God, I pray that you have your way in our lives today. Lord, if there's someone here that doesn't know that freedom in the first place and they need Jesus this morning, God, I pray that they would be saved today. In Jesus' name, amen. As we sing the song of invitation, if you need to come and pray or share a decision with your church, why don't you come forward as we sing this morning. Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon podcast. Please subscribe, but also join us live in person on the Court Square in Barberville or find us on YouTube by searching FBC Barberville, on Instagram at first underscore Baptist underscore Barberville, on Twitter at Barberville FBC, or on our Facebook page, First Baptist Barberville.